Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome, everybody, to another edition of the NGSC Weekly Radio Show. I'm your host, Joshua Zimmer, and as always, I'm going to be joined by Mr. Montel Hardy and John Doucette. I apologize for the technical difficulties, but we are testing a new platform called Xeno Live. Uh, so bear with us. Unfortunately, sometimes uh, technical difficulties uh, arise in situations like this, but as we always say, we never stop, and the show must go on. And I'm being joined you guys hear me? by number two, yeah, by Mr. Montel Hardy. Montel, how you doing, brother? Doing great. Great to be with you guys. You can hear me just fine? Yeah, yes, sir. You're good to go. Perfect, perfect. Yes, sir, Let's get this show on the road, guys. Hey, yes, sir. And while we wait for Mr. John Doucette, uh, like I mentioned earlier, apologize for the technical difficulties, but the show must go on. Uh, Montel, uh, obviously we can talk about Jason Pierre-Paul and the mishap that was, and but it ain't going to take that long to, uh, you know, plain and simple, the dude's an idiot. Uh, you cannot sit there and tell me that uh, you're going to let a firecracker blow off in your hand. Uh, if you did not see the news, obviously somebody tried to light one off uh, with their forehead and uh, saw the Grim Reaper a little bit earlier in their life because of it. Um but if nobody doesn't know, JPP, a defensive end for the New York uh, New York Giants, decided that he would uh, play around with firecrackers on the 4th of July. Why not? Everybody plays around with firecrackers on the 4th of July. However, uh, I'm assuming, and I'm just going to assume, that alcohol was involved because you cannot tell me that you're going to uh, let a firecracker just detonate off in your hand. And uh, he, he paid the price for it. Uh, ESPN obtained documents today showing that they had to amputate uh, his index finger. So not only is he out a $60 million contract because of that, now he's out an index finger. So I hope he can write with his left hand. Yeah, I mean, what a time for this to happen. Uh, I, I don't know. I look at it this way. Uh, when you're a football player or a professional athlete, uh, everything else you're doing aside from football needs to be in moderation. And uh, we heard about the uh, 
the the van he had a van full of fireworks leading up to that day and uh you know he was planning a big blowout and uh to me the issue is you know what kind of fireworks are you working with where you don't know how to use and that opposing the danger uh this is a very difficult uh, i come from chicago where fireworks aren't really even really legal at least most of the good ones but i think we all know to light and then run right so uh this is something that's difficult but never really had to be and i'm just hoping it doesn't cost them too much money yeah, exactly, and, and unfortunately, right now it has cost him a great amount, as, as he, uh, you know, as it's been reported that the Giants pulled their sixty million dollar offer uh, to him, uh, and he has flat out and came out said that we're not going to, uh, he's not going to sign, sign his franchise tender, and so we're going to have to go from there. Um, but uh, yep. another another thing on NFL news, and, and this one should be a little bit more uh, more interesting. It always is pretty interesting uh, when it gets around this time of year, especially the last couple of years with the jump that the NFL Films Company has made. But tonight, matter of fact, I uh, for your guys' discretion, if you guys are not in front of a television, I will have it on my television for you. The NFL Top 100 Final rankings come out today uh, obviously the final rankings will be 10 through 1 which makes me want to ask and uh, Montel if I had to give you if we had a chance to vote for this obviously we can't because we are not part of the league who would be in your top five uh, top five athletes is going to be very difficult. Uh, man, if it was up to me, uh, my top five would be number one. I number one, I'd have to put Aaron Rodgers there. Uh, I know, I know, JJ Watt is a guy. He's a man. He's incredible. But I probably include, uh, I probably include JJ Watt as my uh, number two. Aaron Rodgers my number one. As far as three through five, I think that's where it gets extremely difficult. Uh, but uh, starting from five and going upwards, I'd say Ndamukong Su is number five. I think we saw it free agency. You just don't have those types of players that are available uh, that can do those types of things and that are potential uh, cornerstone athletes. Uh, people pay the King's ransom. The Dolphins did to try to sign him. So he's my number five. As far as four and three, whew, that's where it gets very difficult. Uh, give me for four and three, give me. This is where it gets rough, Josh, because you you don't know who's left on the board, right? Uh, I'll I'll right. be crazy. Give me four. Actually, number three, give me Gerald McCoy. Okay, uh, that's gonna be that's a yeah. Uh, why not? I think that's a nasty three tech who can play. He's quick and he's powerful and he's got so much upside left. Uh, and and I think he had himself a year and a big payday last year that'll get him a little bit of a uh, pub. And then at number four, uh, when healthy, give me AP. Uh, I think he's still every bit as good as uh, as he was, you know, just a year ago before the suspension. I think he's great. I think the thing here is if he comes back healthy, uh, he'll be there. Uh, but one thing I will say is typically guys that were hurt the year before really don't crack the top five. But I'll say on sheer ability and uh, maybe newsworthiness, someone will put him up there. Ah, you know what? I, I kind of like your list, Montel. Uh, I, I kind of do like your list. Uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna front on it at all. Um, 
I'm, I, I developed my list just a little bit differently. Uh, I developed my list as to where uh, I based it off of their 2014 performance, um, which is kind of how they are doing that with this list right now. Um, and Dominican Sue was in the 20s, and I think Gerald McCoy was in the 30s, which I believe is a little low for, uh, for Gerald McCoy. I think with the way Sue played last year, I, I believe in the 20s might be a good fit for him. But my top five, you already know who's number one, so I'll start at number five. Uh, and this, one's <laughs> gonna be probably, this one might be a surprise for you, Montel. I have Andrew Luck sure. as a number five. At number five. It's, a, it's a little rich for my blood, but okay, Andrew Luck at five. And here's the reason why. You look at what he's done since he's been in the NFL, all right, truly since he's been in the NFL. As a quarterback, not as a winner, but as a quarterback. He has okay. helped. He has helped revive that Colts offense. You know, uh, and you also look: uh, have they, have they, or have they not made the playoffs every year since he's been a starter in the league? Uh, while doing it, while doing okay. it with great passing numbers, his rookie year, yeah, because his rookie year was the year that everybody that you know Ray Lewis called his shot and said he's going to win a Super Bowl. And he's going to end his career from there, and they did. They played him in the, you know, in that wild card game, and then the next year, they played and they lost uh, in the was it in the second round, I believe. They lost in the second round to the uh, New England Patriots on a blowout. Uh, that was another game where Little Garrett Blunt uh, basically had their number. And then you look at this year, some of the things they're able to do. Uh, you know, they beat, was it they beat the Bengals, they beat the Colts. And then you know, they lost. Uh, they lost in Deflategate game, um, while putting up impressive passing numbers. So he's my number five. Number four, you can't deny it. You can't argue with me about it. Uh, fact of the matter is, the dude has Super Bowl rings. Uh, number four is Tom Brady. Um, they wouldn't have won the Super Bowl this year without him, uh, Deflategate or not. And so I, I you know, he's yeah, I gotta, you know, the Deflategate kind of helped it along. <laughs> No, I'm just messing with you. That's a Super Bowl winning quarterback. But, of course, I got to ask you, uh, I'll agree with you that Tom Brady's every bit as great as you're saying he is. But if he really is, Andrew Luck is not, like, one spot below him, dude. Like, there's probably, like, several, you know, <laughs> like. Uh, and, and I, like I said, and I, and I believe so. Um, while uh, and, and we're being joined by Mr. Ralph R. Garcia. Ralph. Wow, it sounds like a song. I know, right? John. Wow, so we've got the NGSC Weekly Club Remix here. Club yeah, we got the, we got, yeah, we got the Club Remix. See, uh, the, uh, working a little bit better now. Nope, nope, nope. That won't work, John. I'm hanging up. Yep. So we let. Uh, yeah, we apologize for the technical yeah. difficulties, everyone. It has been a uh, bit of a grind today trying to implement some new technology, but uh, obviously in the coming weeks we will get it straight. We promise. Yes, yes, sir. We will indeed. But going back, going back, because now you got me a little fired up. Going back. Uh, sure. While you can make the argument that Peyton Manning deserves to be in the top five. Um, I'm not gonna lie. I played a little bit of favoritism toward it, but you know, again, you also look at you. You look at how crucial 
the success of the Indianapolis Colts was benefited from his success. It wasn't like Peyton Manning, you know, it wasn't like Peyton Manning in Denver where he could have a bad game, but yet the defense is going to hold it, you know, hold it down. Uh, the Colts' defense is pretty piss poor. While they're also undervalued and and maybe <laughs> at times, they're, yeah. they're a piss poor defense. I mean, there's there's snaps. The Cleveland Browns game, that first half is a prime example. They they made Brian Hoyer look like a quarterback who probably deserved a twelve million dollar contract this offseason. While he didn't receive that, that game alone definitely allowed him to kind of set the stage and say, hey, you know what, I, I do have some relevancy. But fact of the matter is, if it wasn't for Andrew Luck, the Indianapolis Colts would, again, be part of the bottom feeders like they were the year where Manning set out with his neck. And it was, and they, and they was talent galore on that, on that team. The only guy they were missing was the quarterback. And look where it got him. It got him to the number one pick and, and probably uh, and potentially, in my opinion, a, a quarterback who is going to be one of the best if not the best in the next five to 10 years, uh, he's going to definitely become that legitimate Tom Brady, Peyton Manning type household name. Uh, yeah. I just think, you know, Andrew Luck has plenty of upside. He's a very good quarterback, but I just wonder, is, is he a great decision maker? Uh, when we get to the top five, I think we have, a, if we have a quarterback there, he's an unquestioned decision maker. And, you know, I agree. Andrew Lux has the ball out to get the Colts to win games. But uh, if you compare his decision-making skills, just his interception rate to Tom Brady, to Aaron Rodgers, I mean, yeah. now in two years, I mean, you're probably going to be right. Mostly because, you know, possibly Brady and or Brees could be retired by then. But uh, I will tell you this, Andrew Luck has put in the hard work to get teams to win. He's been, uh, I don't know. He's just been, uh, you know, pursuing his uh, victory relentlessly. I always think about that playoff game against the Chiefs. He will that team to win there. So uh, on just sheer potential and talent, I wouldn't be shocked if he was in the top ten. I just, uh, once again, I just don't know if he's that close to Brady because it's Tom Brady. See, now, now, you're lucky John's not here. John would give you a harder time about that than I would. You know, John would, and that's that's it, you know, but – you know, John's not here, so he can't stick up. He can't stick up for Tom Brady this time. Uh, number, <laughs> number three will probably be another somewhat of a surprise. Uh, Demarco Murray. Um, sure. While while this could be different because he's changing, you know, offenses and changing the potential of how it could be. It's not necessarily, you know, like I said, if you go back and look at his 2014. I'd say next between him or Le'Veon Bell, he was probably the best running back in the league last year, even without an Adrian Peterson there. Um, and, and that just goes off of, you know, the way that offense was developed and the fact that, quite frankly, he could stay healthy for a long period of time. That, that's been the biggest struggle within his career is whether or not he can stay healthy or not. So uh, I, I like him at number, you know, number three. Number two – this one, uh, you know, this one just burns burns my soul. Uh, being a Vikings fan, just absolutely burns my soul. Mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers is my number two uh, reigning NFL MVP. While that's still up for while that's still up for question, um, he he deserves to be there at number two. Um, but the guy that I have at number one is JJ Watt. And obviously, 
go ahead and fire back at me. I'm playing favoritism because I have, you know, defensive line blood, you know, flowing through my veins. And I don't care if I see a game that's 3 nothing or 7-3. Um, the, the reason I put J.J. Watt is because while he's not a quarterback or while he's not, you know, an, an offensive guy or a guy that touches the ball every time, uh, you look at the way it is and, you know, we can have that type of space of a franchise for a team. I mean, you you look what you look what he's done. The Houston Texans are are, are not a very marketable team. Uh, they they don't have really the, the faces of the franchises like you know the Minnesota Vikings or even even the Jacksonville Jaguars have some sort of a face with with Blake Bortles. While that remains to be seen after you know rookie season, yep. it's still potentially there. You know, it's still potentially there. Um. But you, like I said, you look at what he's done. You know, back-to-back 20-sack seasons that hasn't been done in the NFL before. Uh, you look at the fact that he, he turns the ball over. You know, he, he creates turnovers, whether it be sacks, strips, you know, fumbles, hell, interceptions as a defensive lineman. And then he sure. even catches touchdown passes, you know, on the goal line. Kind of a Mike Rabel-type player, but in terms of a defensive side of Mike Rabel, a hell of a lot better. Uh, while it's hard for us to kind of say that because Mike Grable was, you know, during our somewhat younger years, it could be, it could remain, you know, could remain supreme that, you know, Andrew Luck is going to hate the fact that he still has to see J.J. Watt twice a year, and as with every other quarterback in the AFC South. Um, and hell, after this past season, <laughs> maybe every team in general is going to hate to have to face J.J. Watt because it's not a guy that you can double team. It's not a guy that you can take away of because you look at it too. They have J.V. and Clowney while he's still coming off that microfracture knee surgery from last year. He does warrant enough to say, you know what? I don't know if we can necessarily feel comfortable leaving the tight end on him. So if you leave a tight end on him, then who are you going to have for J.J. Watt? So he helps create a little bit more you know, mismatch nightmares and also allows – uh, you know, just kind of his production to speak to him, you know, speak for itself. And I, the biggest reason why I have him as number one is not only because he's a great player, but the way that he holds himself accountable. Um, he's definitely a player that not only you can build a franchise around, but I mean, if, if I was old enough and I had kids now, it's, I would not be upset if I asked them who year was your role model and they said JJ Watt because, uh, mm-hmm. um, it's just, so it's what just, you're saying is you love JJ Watt, and uh, yeah, I mean, I it sounds really, uh, really, really bad, bro. It sounds really bad, but yeah, uh, I mean, I have a little bit of a bromance for JJ Watt. He's a great player, but the most importantly is we see it time and time again in the NFL. Players tend to kind of forget what they're doing and why they're doing it. You know, the quote mm-hmm. JJ. You know, there's two quotes that I really love from JJ Watt. You know, the, the first one uh, talks about how, you know, he doesn't have to worry about, you know, his mindset is not to go out and, you know, get hammered or party, you know, during the off season because he has his entire life to do that. You know, this is his job. So he creates it, treats it like his job. So he's training every day. And you could tell, I mean, you, I mean, I follow him on Instagram. I follow him on Twitter. Uh, since he's gotten into the NFL, you can see just how his body type has digressed to be more of a legit, you know, type, you know, 
freak. I mean, the dude's a genetic specimen. Uh, everybody talks about Adrian yeah, Peterson. No, he's a great player. Uh, I think athletically he's going to do some things. In terms of production, I mean, if he catches a few more touchdowns, J.J. Watt will be in the LeBron James level of production for his position in terms of just succeeding <laughs> in multiple areas, you know, because you can catch enough oh. touchdowns, get enough sacks, and you've got tackles and then fumble recoveries. Um, that's, you know, kind of like the football triple-double type deal. But, um, no, I get it, you know, and, and I can't blame you too much there. Uh, it's just a matter of, you know, whether you value one position over the other. But uh, let's go ahead and, I guess, get to our next topic. Yeah, man. Yeah, we can definitely, uh, you know, hit to the next topic. Uh, you know, uh, Montel, it, it always, it always, what's, what's society coming to nowadays? You know, what, what are, uh, why, why are kids digressing? Is it the media? Is it music? Is it television? Is it, you know, movies? Uh, why why do why why do kids who put themselves and set themselves in up for for great success and put themselves in great positions always find new and amazing ways to just boof that all up and it's, the way, uh, it, obviously who I'm talking about is uh you know DeAndre, you know DeAndre George, uh, Johnson the quarterback for the Florida State Seminoles who was suspended but now is dismissed um after assaulting and if you want to uh, find the video yourself. It's all over social media. Uh, assaulting. And it's so bad. You know, at a it's bar. So bad. It's, it's, yeah. it's terrible. Uh, well, first off, we could do a whole show on why, uh, you know, people are struggling uh, mentally to make good decisions. Uh, pop culture and TV, music, uh, media, it makes being dumb cool makes being disrespectful cool, makes being violent for no reason cool. So I'm not going to really go into that. But at the specific situation at the bar, uh, the guy was just a flat out idiot. You know, I tried to watch a video and put it together. And I kind of thought of it this way, you know, hey, hey, Josh, you know, you've been to a bar, been to a bar. We all know one of the top challenges at a bar is trying to get between a woman and the bartender, right? You know, the ladies always get the drinks first. Uh, every man's been through that. But it's never... It's just never a violent situation. It's real simple. You know, you either slide the lady ten bucks and tell her to buy you a rum and coke, or you just wait your turn. It's 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 never it's never a violent situation. Uh, the, the only thing I could have guessed is he walked up to her, tried to elbow his way in, she said no, and then he probably pulled the "Do you know who I am?" act, and then she was probably like, "Well, you're not Jameis, so you know, just just have a seat." <laughs> but um, on a serious note, what he did was awful. Uh, if you if you read uh, later, he said he was extremely embarrassed. That part caught me off guard too. If DeAndre Johnson wants to say he's extremely embarrassed about that situation, that almost sounds like he's sorry it got out. He's sorry he was caught. I don't know if he necessarily means he's sorry it happened and he did it. And if not, then he's got issues beyond uh, being booted from FSU school. Exactly, man, and I completely agree with you. Uh, you know, I completely agree with you on that. You know, as to where you said, you know, oh, you're not Jameis Winston. You know, like I said, the biggest thing that bothered me, because I did watch the video, you know, I watched it about, you know, two or three times uh, just to kind of get my head wrapped around it. And whether there's excuses there or not, you know, there's reports saying, you know, from witnesses that said that, you know, oh, she said, she said this, she said that, she called him, you know, she called him the N-word. 
I, that's something that, just you know, number out. one, I can't. It's just exactly. a cop out. And that's number one. And that's nothing that I can speak on because, I mean, you know, truth be told, I'm a, you know, white male. And that word has no plausible effect to me if it's said toward me. So I don't necessarily know how he feels about that. But no matter what, well, whether it was said or not, does not mm -hmm. justify the right for you to, to basically try and knock her teeth out, which is basically you watch the video. I'm telling you right now, whether he was drunk, whether he was buzzed, or whether he was just pissed off because the word was said or not, the dude swung like as if he was, you know, playing against a Miami player. I mean, I guess that's probably the easiest way that I could describe it, as bad as it sounds. Uh, there was no remorse there. I mean, the, the dude looked like he was in a heavyweight boxing match, and it was a straight, cold, hard jab, basically right to the, you know, right to the kisser, you know. And yeah. what, what, what also what also angered me too is when I watched this, is why in the hell did nobody jump in when he started pushing her and she basically pushed him back to get off of it? It's like. What yeah, and that's the that's yeah, Why that's the worst part. Is that yeah, as as a young man, you would look to at least separate the two or at least step up to them. But you can see in the bar, I'm so glad you brought that up. This punk was sitting right next to the girl, watched her get punched, and just didn't do anything. And he just sat there like, oh, well, it looks like this guy, you know, looks like this escalated quickly. Like that's all he he didn't make a move at first. I thought. You know, that was her boyfriend until I saw that he'd done nothing. And then I realized he didn't know her at all, probably. But still, I think you do maybe jump in. Like I said, at least get between the two and let him know what he did wasn't cool. I mean, as a man, we, as a man, we owe that to each other to say, hey, you know, you're out of line, brother. You know, even if I don't know you, okay, <laughs> like I'm, I'm not just going to let you just do that. And because, you know, the, he essentially is consenting by, by sitting there and watching it. You see what I'm saying? Exactly, exactly. You're you're making it go like as if it's not that big of a deal when, you know, mm -hmm. also toward the end of the video, they did show 10 to 15 seconds of it to where you could see her hold her nose. And there was some sort of, you know, some sort of blotch there, whether, you know, you can't digress it because it's black and white footage. So whether it was blood or not, or whether it was, you know, a cherry from her drink, you just never know. But I'm going to presume that with the way he cocked her, that it was, uh, that, you know, that, that that was blood. And so, you know, it's you, you just don't know what to do there. You know, you just and, and that's an, and this and this is the the other argument that it creates is what is going on within Florida State to where they continually have these types of problems. It's you know, a you culture of uh, it, it's a culture of criminalization, culture of violence, culture of uh, of of uh, uh, lack of accountability. Uh, they let these kids do what they want. I was reading or watching Outside the Lands earlier today. You are twice as likely to have your charges dropped if you are a, a uh, FSU football player uh, as opposed to just being a college A student in a neighbor or in the town of Tallahassee. So uh, that, that tells you right there that you've got a natural advantage and, uh, you know, just certain types of legal counsel and certain things that I think the athletic staff do to try to ensure uh you know, that their players remain unscathed through it all. But, yeah, I can't help but, but shake the thought that some of these players have uh, have the feeling that they're untouchable. Exactly. And, and what, I mean, really true, like if you're a recruit or say, or hell, even Montel, say you're the parent of a recruit. 
Is that going to, whether they're winning national championships and putting their kids into the, you know, putting their players into the NFL or not, is that really truly an environment that you're going to want your kid to, to go into? You know, because that, like you said, that basically is showing a message to where they're, they're flat out saying, you, you know, well, you know, our, our players are pretty much untouchable. You know, they can get away with everything. You know, we, we had a player, get, you know, get away with rape, whether it wasn't proven or not. Uh, you know, there were charges, but they were dropped. Uh, you know, he also got in trouble for stealing crab legs, but it wasn't a big deal. You know, he ended up winning the Heisman Trophy for us. And, you know, he only had to be suspended for a game because he, you know, shouted, uh, you know, social media, you know, meme that that's very offensive and obscene. But it, it's okay because, you know, we, we made it to the college football playoff, which gave us about $15 million worth of revenue for our school. Um you know, and, and now we, and now we, unfortunately, we had to dismiss this player, but uh, it, it shouldn't, it shouldn't get this far, is what I'm trying to say. You know, you, you should not have to wait till something like this comes out because I am going to say this: while this kid is only a freshman or a sophomore, 18, 19 years old, he probably shouldn't be in a bar anyway because I believe he just signed with Florida State. Was it like two or three years ago? Um, which would make him around, you know, 19 or 20, depending on if he was held back in, you know, high school or not. If there was video of Jameis Winston, not just stealing crab legs, but some of the other things that he, that he was, you know, reportedly accused of doing, Florida State would be would have been burned to the ground. You know, at least in my opinion, that it would have, you know, we wouldn't have probably seen him in a Florida State Seminole jersey last year. We probably would have seen him playing for some, you know, podunk, you know, FCS school or, you know, some mediocre Division II school just to get by. The same thing we saw with Janoris Jenkins four or five years ago when he went to North Alabama. You know, it's – and I personally believe that it needs to start from the top down. Florida State needs to do some soul searching, and they need to really try and find out what the hell is going on within their, their athletic department because – while they're not getting their players in trouble with the law, with the exception of, you know, this idiot, this is going to start scaring recruits away. You know, it's, it's like I told you, would you even, would you really feel comfortable sending your kid to that school knowing that, you know, he could get, you know, damaged or or hurt or worse, arrested, you know, and have a criminal record to him. You know, that's, that's the biggest thing is that, it, it really boils down to whether or not it, it truly shows that while, you know, there has to come a line where you have to allow these players to grow up and have to allow them to, you know, be accountable for their actions. Uh, there needs to come that, that line where a head coach, which is Jimbo Fisher in this case, steps in and finally takes control of this team. Because if he doesn't, this is not going to be the last time that we hear about a Florida state player getting in trouble. I mean, that's plain and simple, whether, no matter what background they come from. Yep. And uh, it's just completely different. The ship that Jimbo fish is running Bobby Bowden's program was nothing like it. Uh, kids got in trouble less and he was a lot more complicit, or at least that's what uh, authorities over uh, in Tallahassee did say. So uh, just a little thought there is uh, this is, this is a Jimbo problem. This isn't just an FSU problem. Uh, sure, they've been winning, but at what cost? Exactly, and I completely agree with you on that. You know, I, like I said, we we grew up in a time of Bobby Bowden and Joe Paterno, and while uh, Joe Paterno stuff came out, which kind of you know shattered a little bit what people thought of him from a public eye. You know, Bobby Bowden didn't have any of these problems. He didn't have players get arrested. He didn't have players get in trouble. 
you know, he, he did a great job of controlling it internally in-house. Um, I mean, fact of the matter, the dude has a statue in front of the stadium. Uh, he's basically a god there. So you know that he yeah. did whatever he could, you know, to hold that reputation, which is, like I said, crossing that, that, that threshold of player accountability to, to actually doing your job and realizing that, you know, while these players are now men, they still need somewhat, you know, they still need a little bit of guidance within their life. Absolutely. Yeah. That's completely correct. And uh, I just can't wait to see uh, if this gets any better. Yeah. And, and I'm, and I'm hoping so, you know, Florida state's Florida state's a fun team to watch while, while it's, while it's a hard team to watch because it's hard to root, you know, for me, it's hard to root for the Florida state Seminoles. Uh, nevertheless, you know, they, they, they get top talent every year. It's always fun to watch these guys play. Uh, I mean, hell, they got a safety this year. He's probably going to be one of, you know, probably be, without a doubt, the best safety in the entire country, you know, and Jalen Ramsey, who's even going to be playing some corner this year. But you, you have to hope that, you know, and, and maybe this could be a thing too. Maybe, hopefully, you know, maybe the players, hopefully the players are sick and tired of being, you know, labeled. Because cause what, what type of label does this throw on, you know, throw on a program? It, it does not throw, you know, labels warranted as first class, you know, it labels them as, you know, kind of like how Miami was in the 80s with, you know, Thug U, you know, how it was, you know. Uh, well, see, that was a the, bunch of kids getting into trouble doing immature things. But if you if you actually look at it, uh, they were they were gang issues and gang violence in there. And then there's just a mixture of just, you know, just, you know, making certain songs they shouldn't have made. But uh, in this scenario, I think this is more of an animal house type scenario where people are doing uh, whatever they want to do. Uh, stealing, hit and run, rape, uh, domestic violence, uh, these things, uh, there's been a culture created where that's okay. And uh, the things I just mentioned here weren't very commonplace in Miami. So I guess what I'm saying here is, uh, I guess we've entered a, a different realm where certain things are now a little bit more acceptable than they used to be. Exactly, man. And that's And that's the embarrassing thing about it. You know, that's truly the embarrassing thing about it. Uh, but we we've reached the first uh, the first break of our of our show this evening. Again, I would like to apologize for the technical difficulties. We will have that hammered out soon. Uh, but that being said, Montel, I'll go ahead and toss it over to you for a quick NGSC sports update. Uh, sure, Josh. Sure. Uh, let me see. Just gonna bring everything up now. All right, thanks, Josh, and uh, I'm Monto Hardy. This is an NGSE uh, news break. Just a reminder, you can listen in at NGSEsports.com. In the news now, the New York Giants officials have come and gone from South Florida without uh, having seen Jason Pierre-Paul. Uh, sources have told ESPN Adam Schefter that Pierre-Paul suffered injuries to both of his hands, including severe burns, as well as possible nerve damage in an accident involving fireworks according to um, ESPN on Sunday. Although the injuries are not believed to be career-threatening, Giants officials traveled to Florida to visit Pierre Paul in the hospital. Uh, but, however, they never made it out of the waiting room to see him. Albert Pujols, the Los Angeles Angels first baseman, says he talked to Major League Baseball and confirmed he will be one of the hitters from the event for the event Monday in Cincinnati. The All-Star game is uh, going to be uh, the night after the after the uh, home run derby, and Pujol says he wants to give it one last chance. 
On Tuesday, Pujols said the good thing with Major League Baseball is they allow us to bring our kids onto the field on practice day, so they will be able to enjoy that. And I'll have my kids there. They'll have a great time, and they get to meet the players they get to watch every day. Uh, be sure to check out Albert Pujols uh, in the All-Star Game, as well as the Home Run Derby, as he will be a potential applicant. Uh, also, be sure to check out NGSC Sports' hottest stories. Uh, currently, we have Is RG3 Done by NGSC's own G Stelio, and we have a new rule for And I apologize, folks. We must have, must have lost Montel there, uh, but the show must go on. So while we continue to wait for him to come back into the studio, uh, we will go from there. Uh, you can continue to listen to us on NGSCSports.com. Uh, just go down to the live Zeno radio box, and you can listen to us there. You can even call into the show at 1-605-562-9065. Then dial 5, and you'll be waiting in my requesting call-in box and you can say your piece on everything that we are talking about or currently talked about from there. As we start the second hour of our weekly radio show, uh, we're going to get into a little bit of the Home Run Derby. Now, as Montel was saying, uh, the list has now been finalized. Uh, Albert Pujols is not the only participant in this. We also have two Chicago Cubs players, which makes me extremely happy which is Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant. We have, as Montel mentioned earlier, Albert Pujols, Baltimore Orioles player Manny Machado, Jock Peterson from the L.A. Dodgers, the hometown cat, Todd Frazier, Josh Donaldson, Prince Fielder. And that is your home run derby lineup. So, Montel, i got to ask you, who are you most intrigued to watch in this year's Home Run Derby? Uh, man, every year I look at the contestants and I'm just kind of, I don't know, really excited. But at the same time, I'm really afraid, you know, because that much swinging, standing at the plate, wrenching your back, swinging is such a violent motion. And I don't think the hitters get enough credit for it. Uh, essentially what I'm saying is, you know, hitting a baseball with the way it takes to hit it out of the park isn't meant to be done 40 straight times or however many times these guys plan to do it. But, uh, but going back to who I want to, you know, win, uh, it's tough, but I've always been a big Prince Fielder fan. Uh, what he does to a baseball is he just tees off on it. Uh, I think he'll be great. And I think he'll take home the trophy and it'd be fun. Cause I think he'd be the first guy to do it in, I don't want to say 10 years. But he had he wanted about maybe six, seven years ago uh, when he was younger, and he might come back and do it now. So within such a thin time frame or such a longer time frame, I think that'd be pretty respectable. So give me give me uh, Prince Fielder, and uh, sorry, I'm not going to root for Chris Bryant. Uh, but I will root for him to wrench his back and maybe hit a lot worse. Uh, I don't know. 
Yeah, see, and that's and that's where it comes <laughs> to me. Like, you, you know, I mean, you know, who I'm already rooting for. You know, I'm already, you know, I'm excited to watch Anthony Rizzo. Uh, this is a player who who has made a great leap uh, from the 2013 season and the somewhat of the 14 season. He became somewhat of a guy who I believe last year was an All Star snub, and then this year he finally gets that All Star vote. Um, but you look at some of the way, some of the things that he's been doing. I mean. Him and Chris Bryant together are just absolutely killing the ball. Chris Bryant has been fun to watch. Uh, so not only am I am I excited to watch those two because I am a Chicago Cubs fan. If nobody uh, if nobody knows that, you guys do now. Uh, I will give you my address on my Twitter. You guys can send me condolence cards because it's been it's been rough being a Cubs fan. Um, but another kid I'm actually kind of excited to watch is Manny Machado. Uh, Manny Machado, this dude is unbelievable. I mean, if you guys remember when he came into the league, everybody was like, "Oh my God! Like, where'd this kid come from?" You know, and he's been he's been doing it. I mean, you look at you know you look at Chris Davis. You know, the year that Chris Davis uh, was in the home run derby with uh, Jonas Cespedes when he was with the A's, uh, dude hit some bombs that year. And Manny Machado, you know, that was Manny Machado's rookie year, and while he was playing average, uh, he didn't really necessarily develop that you know that home run power yet. Um, so I'm going to be excited to watch him. Um, another guy, you know, I, I want to watch the rookie. You know, I want to watch this Jock Peterson as well. Because um, from all accounts, you know, me living in Minot, we don't get a lot of L.A. games unless they're on sports, you know, unless they're on ESPN. Uh, but from all accounts, when you hear about this kid, this dude is an absolute monster. Uh, he can absolutely kill the ball. Um, so I'm excited to watch him. Todd Frazier, that's kind of a shoe-in for me. Uh you would expect them to kind of put the hometown guy in, I guess you could say. Not only is he uh, from Cincinnati, but he plays, you know, plays for the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, so he's kind of the shoe in for me. Prince Fielder, the dude, I'm telling you right now, if his swing is on, the dude's going to win. Uh, dude has some massive. Yeah. Power. He's just that good, Josh. He he's, you know, the dude has power, you know, he has legitimate power. And I believe truly believe that he has more power now since he slammed down a little bit. You know, he wasn't – you remember when he was playing for the Brewers and the Tigers, he was, he was a little bit of a bowling ball. While he is still somewhat of a bowling ball, he's actually shed just a little bit of weight, which helps, you know, helps with, you know, bat torque. You know, when you torque your hips for those, you know, for those big power swings, he's able to develop a little bit more thrust and a little bit more power through his base. Um, yeah, and the, and the funny part here is uh, Prince Fielder, while he was heavier, was a vegetarian. And he went back to eating meat and slimmed down. So I don't quite know how that works, but just thought it'd be worth sharing. Yeah, exactly, folks. See, you already hear it there. And we're gonna give you uh we're gonna give you food network lessons now too. Eat your meat. You know, but uh I tell you what, man, this is it's gonna be sick. You know, the, the MLB network and MLB dot com and you know, and major league baseball in itself has developed this this new and quite frankly, I'm going to use it. It's it's a badass tool. It's called Statline, and it's like Stat Tracker. But basically, what it does, you know, ESPN is going to be the one borrowing it uh, because they have the, you know, uh, MLB has the rights to it. But what it's going to allow them to do is you're going to get legitimate measurements real time. You know, they're not going to be estimated shots. You know, it's not going to be oh, it was an estimated, you know, 440 feet. It's going to be legitimately there live. And that's what I'm excited to watch because you look at this list, all of these guys have legitimate power. Uh, matter of fact, some of them, uh, with the exception of, you know, Giancarlo Stanton, who if he was healthy, he would not only be an all-star, but I, we wouldn't even be talking about this because we know that he would win, um, especially if it was a long ball competition. 
but you know, you look at it, you look at Anthony Rizzo. You know, the dude has a couple 450 plus shots this year. You, know, you look at Chris Bryant, the dude has monster bat power. And he, you look at his size, the dude's 6'6". Six, six. Uh, you can develop a lot of torque and a, and a lot of bat speed uh, through that lower half. Albert Bujols, I mean, he's known he's known for having great power. Uh, he's had great shots all over his career. While I am kind of shocked that he decided to pick the home run derby, uh, especially with the way he play, has been playing not only this year but a little bit of last year, uh, he's going to be interesting. I would not be surprised if he does not get out of the first round. Uh, Jock Peterson's kid has some power. Frazier's one of those guys that has gets a little bit of lift, but nothing that's going to be spectacular like a Bryce Harper or anything like that. Uh, Donaldson's kind of the same way, and then you know Fielder is Fielder's the one setting the bar now with 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 Stanton out. Which brings me to my next question: Do you believe? And, and actually, you know what? Scratch it. I'm going to give you the power, Montel. Montel, you're you're going to have the power at your fingertips. If there's one sure. player that you wanted to take off this list to put Bryce Harper in, who would it be and why? Uh, I'd take Pujols off the list. Uh, we all know he can hit. He's done a great job. He's been to several home run derbies. He's got virtually nothing to prove. He's already run before. He's done an incredible job, and he's an all-star again later in life, I think. You know, pass it on to the kids. Bryce Harper, pass the torch. I mean, this guy is finally starting to live up to the expectations we know he can be, and I uh, I, and I look forward to seeing him to next year if, uh, you know, since this year uh, just isn't quite it. Yeah, and, and, and now he is an all-star, and from all accounts, he did turn down the bid to be in the all-star game. Uh, while that maybe is because he finally found a little bit of his stroke, and doesn't want to hinder that at all. Uh, remains to be seen. I've never played baseball, uh, you know, in terms of professionally, so I don't necessarily know what they'd be going through uh, for that. But but I agree with you. You know, I I think uh, I think this is the first time in Bryce Harper's career where we can say that he's kind of outshadowing Mike Trout. You know, he he's not stuck in Mike Trout's shadow anymore, and this is probably the the first time that. So that we've kind of dabbled with that, you know, and, and have had a chance to see that. But while I like Pujols, because, like, it's a home run derby. You want to see the power. You want to see the distance. You know, I, I'm, you know, when we were growing up, Montel, you know, you're watching, you know, Barry Bonds or watching Mark McGuire, you know, 400, 500-foot shots. Uh, that's what I want to see, and I think Pujols would be a guy that could deliver with that. I'm going to take Todd Frazier off the list. Uh, this is a guy who, when he was, you know, when he, uh, you look at when he was at Kauffman Stadium, you know, when, when he did the home run derby at Kauffman Stadium, while he made the finals, he was not in, impressive. He had to, he had to consistently do a bat off, you know, or a hit off, uh, whatever you want to call it, just, just to stay alive. And they weren't power shots. I think his biggest shot was maybe 430 feet, uh, which was an average for the entire home run derby. Just the guy that, you know, you, you look on the list, not a guy that really makes you go, wow, like, you know, star power, you know. Um, so I would easily take Todd Frazier off the list, and I'd put Bryce Harper in his spot in a heartbeat. And I can tell you one thing, if that were to happen, we are going to see power bomb shots. I mean, upper deck, triple deck, you call it. Uh, Bryce Harper has that type of power. Um, yeah. But – Everybody can tune in this upcoming Monday to ESPN at 7 p.m. Central Time and find out for themselves 
uh, with this list. Of course, that list goes again as followed. Uh, two Chicago Cubs, Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant. L.A. Angels, Albert Pujols. Baltimore Orioles, Manny Machado. The Dodgers is Jock Peterson. The Reds is Todd Frazier. The Blue Jays, Josh Donaldson. And the Rangers, Prince Fielder. So, but we're not gonna we're not gonna get away with uh, from the MLB just yet. Um, although Montel, I did tell you that I have the NFL Top 100 going on now. We are gonna jump back to that because I think our list is a little bit closer than what we expected it to be. Uh, we're, we're gonna talk about the All Star Game uh, lineups. Um, who were your snubs? And if there's a player that you wanted to make a case for, make a case for him. Uh, my player is Brian Dozier. Uh, I mean, if there's not a second baseman that has the type of power that he does uh, this season or has the type of power that he does this season, excuse me, uh, please send it my way. Um, I'll give you my email and my Twitter account. And, hell, you can even call into the show, 1-605-562-9065. And you can tell us uh, whether or not there's a player like Brian Dozier. You know, you look at Brian Dozier, right? So, and I'm not going to call him a possible snub because he did get put on the final vote list that's being led by Mitch Mustakis and uh, Johnny Cueto. But here's what he did today when the, when the final list was, was basically brought up. He had two steals in the first inning, and then he came back with, with a power bomb in the sixth uh, to help to help the Twins win five to three. Uh, matter of fact, you look at what he's done in July. The dude has six home runs in July. Um, and two of them being walk-off hits. And he's had multiple games so far this season of two home run games. Uh, and his goal block doesn't have any errors for the year, doesn't have any overthrows for the year. This is a guy, in my opinion, who deserves to be on an MLB All-Star Game roster. There's no ifs, and or buts about it. I don't care if you have to throw a rookie off the list who might deserve it or you have to throw a player who could be kind of considered just because he has the bigger name. Brian Dozier has created the name for the Minnesota Twins. He's basically become the face of the Minnesota Twins, and he deserves to have that opportunity to be the face and the representative of the Minnesota Twins at the 2015 All-Star Game. Yeah, and, uh, you know, he's he's a very good player, I think, uh, on a team that's, uh, well, struggling, well, was struggling to say the least. They're playing a little bit better, but they, you know, lack stars. They lack star power, and... They've always been able to win, though, without the big names, and I think Brian Dozer is a guy, and it is the reason why they're able to do those types of things. Uh, you know, you look at some guys who might be snubs, Now I don't know for sure. I know he's battling it out for the final vote, but I think Johnny Cueto would be a snub if he winds up not making it to the game. I've been a fan. When it comes to pitchers, I'm a big uh, – I'm very high on the type of stuff they can throw. And Johnny Cueto's got great stuff, uh, fastball, curveball. You can throw a little change-up slider in there. He, he's nasty. His velocity's on point. Uh, 2-6-1 ERA, 6-5 record. I wouldn't pay a ton of attention to the record. The, the Reds have been lacking run support and, you know, other crucial elements to being a good baseball team. I'm also interested to see if he moves at the trade deadline, but Cueto to me would be an instant snub. Uh, he's just that good of a pitcher, and uh, like I said before, he may have pitched his final game for the Reds, so someone will be a buyer here. Exactly. And I like I like the Cueto one. You know, Cueto is a guy that uh, when I saw the initial list released, uh, was surprised that he was not on there. So I do back you with him. 
but other than that, man, there, like I said, uh, there's no other player possible in, in my mind that creates more of an argument than Brian Dozier. Um, we have until I believe it's Friday is when the polls close. So everybody use your Twitter, put hashtag vote Dozier. That's D-O-Z-I-E-R. And if you want to vote for Johnny Cueto, go ahead. Um, but I, please go vote for Brian Dozier. Or you can go to MLB.com and vote as well. Uh, that's going to be another game that's going to be fun to watch. Uh, there's going to be some star-studded players. You know, obviously, you got the big names. Uh, this will, matter of fact, this will be the first time in years that we haven't seen Derek Jeter in an All-Star game, so that's going to take some getting used to. Uh, but I'm excited to see uh, I'm excited to see Chris Bryant. I know I'm going to continue. I'm going to continue to stay on the Chicago Bull, uh, you know, Cubs bandwagon. Uh, but Chris Bryant's a guy who has had all of this hype surround him since he's been here, and it's shown up. I mean, he's shown up. While it took him, you know, maybe 10, 15 games to get ready, he's shown up, and now he's starring. Uh, I would easily say if Anthony Rizzo is out of the lineup due to being sick or anything like that, the Cubs necessarily probably don't have a worry because they have the same bat speed, they have the same type of production that they would get with Chris Bryant. So Chris Bryant's probably the guy that I'm most intrigued to watch heading into the All-Star game. Yeah. Um, say that last part one more time. Oh, I just, I said, yeah, I was just making my, I just continuing to make my case on Chris Bryant. I know you guys all love to give me a hard time. The fact that I've just been on Chris Bryant uh, since oh, Chicago decided to call him up. And I said flat out, I mean, there, there's probably not more of a player heading into the all-star game that I'm more excited about to watch than Chris Bryant. I mean, the kid has shown up since he's been in the league. Yeah, no, I mean he's uh he's exciting to watch. He's he's a great two strike hitter. Uh that's what I've seen. He knows how to start short enough to swing and still eke out a base hit. And that's the type of skill that's gonna keep your average high, uh well high enough uh to gain some attention. So yeah, he's he's got some traits. He can ball, but I mean, you know, uh he's a cub, so I'm not gonna get too thrilled about it. Come on, man, like you gotta you gotta you gotta have some pull and take there, man. I mean <laughs> you guys do have Chris yeah, Taylor. Right. You guys got Chris yeah, Taylor. You're right. You're right. And I, Chris Taylor, hell, I was really hoping that that streak didn't inform. That would have been kind of cool to see that streak continue. Uh, of course, that being the, the the games of consecutive, you know, strikeouts ten or more. But I mean, he just didn't have it in the cards, bro. You know, I'm sorry. Uh, but he's a he's a White Sox, and uh, I'm gonna I'm swallowing my my Chicago pride on that one and say. You know, Chris Sale is a guy that definitely deserves to be in it, and, and I'm hoping that they at least give him, you know, maybe an inning or two, maybe three. Uh, they haven't named the starters yet, and they haven't even, you know, listed the, you know, the starting lineup for the game. So you never know how many how many innings he's going to pitch. But he's a guy that, you know, that guy that you have to watch. Um, but as we transition, Montel, I know uh, we've been talking, and uh, it seems like the L.A. Clippers have been doing some talking themselves. Uh, what's going on with the whole DeAndre Jordan situation? I'm actually glad you asked, Josh, because I was just thinking about it. Uh, several reports from both CBS Sports and ESPN both confirmed that uh, the Clippers have arrived to DeAndre Jordan's house, and they likely won't leave until he signs the Clippers. Uh, this could get ugly, well, just a little bit, considering the fact that free agency technically doesn't start until Thursday. Uh, well, not Thursday, Thursday, but midnight tonight, so... 
well, 12 and one tonight to be technical, but uh, that is when he can sign uh, with whatever team, be it the Mavericks, uh, being uh, the Clippers as well. I think the thing to watch out for here is, is he really going to flip flop? And is he really going to take uh, potentially less money to be with the Clippers uh, over the Mavericks, uh, essentially reneging on his whole uh, agreement a few days ago with uh, Mark Cuban? Uh, if there's a if there's a GM you don't cross, it's it's Mark Cuban. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, the current situation right now, per several reports, is that uh, people are are out at his house. Um, there's also reports that Chandler Parsons will be flying out to see him or maybe already has, but currently it sounds like the Clippers will be at DeAndre Jordan's house until he signs again. And uh, apparently there's no rule against that, which is the first thing I was expecting to hear. <laughs> yeah. And you know, that'll be interesting. You know, I watched some stuff on sports center this afternoon and they talked about saying that possibly one of the reasons why DeAndre, DeAndre Jordan is leaving is because of Chris Paul. You know, they said that, uh, you know, numerous people, in fact, and numerous sources have came out and said that, you know, that Chris Paul that you see in the State Farm commercials is not the Chris Paul that you see in the locker room. So now here's my next question. Do you believe, number one, do you believe that statement? Because, I mean, the, the type of kid that he, you know, and the type of things that he does in the community, while everybody has that some sort of, you know, passion and fire in them, and I can see, kind of being a little bit of a hard ass, you know, in the locker room. Uh, I, I just don't see it from Chris Paul. So number one, do you believe that statement? Number two, if it's true, do you think that is the real reason why he wants to leave LA? Cause when you look at the production he's had because of Chris Paul and because of Blake Griffin, it kind of creates a strong argument as to dude, like, what are you thinking? Like, why are you leaving? Yeah, I, I think it is, um, and there's been several reports that uh, Chris Paul isn't the, uh, I don't want to say the warmest, but uh, he has a big personality, and obviously it's making people uncomfortable uh, near him. Uh, Austin Rivers stepped away from the Clippers, said he was afraid to step on Chris Paul's toes. I don't I don't know if I discussed that with you guys or not last week, but anytime a player like Austin Rivers, a guy who, you know, is there for a job, uh, defending, has a very small role, and for some reason, keeps crossing paths uh, with Chris Paul. Uh, I think it shows you that you're playing with an egocentric player. As we discussed last week, most players are egocentric. But I think the story here is um, when you are in the same boat as your peers, uh, there's just certain things you just can't do. And uh, I guess he did some sour, very small, petty things that offended DeAndre Jordan, giving everyone high fives but him and, and those types of things. Uh, you kind of lose credibility if you don't already have a ring or any type of playoff success. And unfortunately for Chris Paul, he doesn't have much of either. So to, to you know, to carry on like that is, is unreasonable. Um, if that's really what he's doing. But uh, the word once again is that he was a part of a crew, though, that did come out to see DeAndre Jordan. So uh, whatever the issue is, you know, they'll be high-fiving it out at his place tonight. Uh ESPN, uh, ESPN's uh, Mark Stein also reported that the Mavs are basically afraid that they won't get the audience with Jordan uh, as uh, because the Clips have the Clippers are they have them surrounded. You know, uh, the the Mavericks will be sending like two people to go see him. The Clippers uh, may have the whole starting five as well as uh, Doc Rivers and uh, Steve Ballmer confirmed. So uh, Mavericks outnumbered. Uh, you know, I mean, you know me like. Uh... I just, 
I'm not a big fan of the hoopla. I don't like this whole hoopla. I don't like the the whole media craze that causes into this. Uh, you know, but I I like your your take on it. I like some of the things that you said to really help solidify some sort of a case for that. Um, and uh, yeah, and I I agree completely. And yeah, and we're uh, we're just now getting a report. Uh, it just got a just got a text from one of our listeners that uh, ESPN is reporting that Mark Cuban is on his way right now to see DeAndre Jordan. So, uh, yeah, yeah, and that, that's what I was mentioning just a bit ago, is that he'd be down there. Uh, he, he'd be down there with Chandler Parsons. So, yeah, that was that was a part of the initial plan, but I think the key here is what's going to result of it. And I, I really don't know to this point as, uh, you know, if it takes all this after you – you're pitching a $50 million deal to him, uh, you know, maybe it's not meant to be. Exactly. And like I said, you know, we're going to have to continue to keep our eyes on it. I know you being a huge NBA guy, you're going to. So uh, this is definitely something we're going to have to keep our eyes on uh, in the entire week. I'm going to do some cleanup uh, real quick, Montel. Uh, A couple of our listeners uh, have texted me saying that the reason why you don't like Chris Bryant is because you're a White Sox fan and the White Sox suck. Um, so I apologize. Oh, come on. Really? Hey, and tell then, whoever uh, that is to fight me, okay? <laughs> whoever it is. You know, like, for real? Oh, look, I, I said I said he can ball. I said he's one of the – he's a great two-strike hitter. Those two things are some of the best things you can say about a young hitter. I don't hate him. I'm, I just – I don't love him because he's not a White Sox player. I mean, I, it's it's a very – Fair neutrality here. I am crediting you with the fact that he has great potential, but he's also very young, you know. And you remember Ronnie Cedeno, uh Darwin Barney, all these guys got off the hot starts, and then a year, two years down the road, you don't know who they are anymore. Yeah, but the, the big argument that can be made with that is that Darwin Barney and Ronnie Cedeno did not have the type of publicity nor the hype that this kid is warranting. Uh, not only through the Cubs organization, but the entire Major League Baseball. Uh, and it's funny that, you know, the moment he told me, uh, he texted me that, he also texted me saying that you can also tell him that Chris Bryant just hit a triple uh, as they are losing 4-1 to one to the St. Louis Cardinals, but they did score Rizzo. So the, the two All-Stars that we talked about for my team uh, are showing up. Um, but we're also going to do some cleaning house on our on our top five list. Um, as we're about halfway through the broadcast of the NFL Top 100, five through one, uh, they have released five through three. So here we go with number 10, Montel, and just tell me whether you agree or not. Number 10 is Rob Gronkowski. Um, and remember, this list is not voted on by the media. It's voted on by players in the NFL. Uh, Rob Gronkowski was number 10. Marshawn Lynch was number nine, the second running back, uh, the second ranked running back on the NFL top 100. At number eight, we had uh, Antonio Brown, uh, Steelers wide receiver. At number seven, at, at number seven, we had Andrew Luck. So I wasn't, I wasn't too far off. I was two spots off, uh, but we were, we were close. We were close. At number six. Okay. We had Calvin Johnson, who is the highest-ranked wide receiver on the list this year. Mm-hmm. Number five was Peyton Manning. Which, oh, come on. Come, come on, guys. Come yeah. on. The number four-ranked player 
is DeMarco Murray, which I think yeah. is the argument that we make. Number three is Tom Brady, and that was released four minutes ago. So we know this. With a half hour left, they're going to make strong arguments for two players and two players only. It's going to be J.J. Watt and Aaron Rodgers. And I know we already discussed this, and we won't go too far into it. I'm going to continue to sit and say that J.J. Watt's going to be the top player on that list when it's all said and done. I, I, you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked. I, you know, with the Texans, all they needed was some mild playoff success, and I'm pretty sure, you know, Wild would be the question number one. I think it's just, you know, as a team, the Texans just, you know, like if JJ Watt played for like the Patriots or something like that, you know, he'd be unquestioned number one, you know. But unfortunately, he's he's with a team that just, you know, they they have some holes and they're they're pretty middle of the road. And he's an elite player, you know. He's a big fish in a small pond, but you know we'll see where it goes. Uh, I don't have any any anger either way. As long as Aaron Rodgers is really the top quarterback, I think that's about the highest accomplishment, your highest uh, 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 compliment you can give anyone. Well, and I and I think he uh, and, and undoubtedly he has to be. Otherwise, this list is fraud. Because like I said, uh, undoubtedly there's two players left that you can rank. And uh, with Tom Brady going number three, uh, it definitely means that, you know, it's going to be whether, you know, either Aaron Rodgers or J.J. Watt. But while we're waiting for Coach Dowdy to continue to uh, to join us so that we can talk to I'm Next program uh, that he's implementing for some of his football camps this summer, uh, might as well stay with the NFL theme, Montel. Uh, and might as well stay with this list. So uh, with it just now being uh, the official list just now being released, uh, kind of dive into it a little bit more uh, while we wait for uh, Coach Dowdy and we also wait for Jimmy Council to give us a rundown on the U.S. women's uh, soccer team triumph uh, this past Sunday. Um, if there's a player on this list that you think could have the biggest fall in 2015, who do you think it could be? Uh, I'm putting my money on DeMarco Murray. If there's a player to fall where? Say that again. If, if there's if there's a player that is going to fall off this list come this time next year for 2016, if there's a player within this top 10 that could fall, which player do you believe it could be? And I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to put my money on DeMarco Murray for a number of reasons. But before I get into those reasons, uh, I want to hear what you have to combat with that. I'd probably say Peyton Manning first. Uh, he's, go- he's he's always going to be one of the best to ever play the game. Uh, but I think just on sheer statistics and style of play, and, and there's already reports out that Manning isn't crazy about the new Kubiak way of doing things, uh, and that's essentially because some, some control has been taken away from Manning, and he's doing some things he's not used to doing. Uh, part of that is handing the ball off maybe half the time. Uh, from a statistical standpoint, uh, he will not produce like he has in years past, but he'll still be great. He'll still be in a neighborhood of 4,000, maybe not at 4,000, but maybe 3,700, something like that. He'll still get about 20 touchdowns, okay? But um, he's not going to be 30, 40. He's not going to be, you know, 400 yards, seven touchdowns. You know, that's that's not going to happen. 
they're going to pack it in and play small ball. And I think that's part of the reason why I also agree with you about DeMarco Murray. Uh, my reason are because Chip Kelly is a mad genius and it's good, but he's going to essentially take away a lot of carries from Murray and use him more strategically. So you'll see that Murray probably has a higher yards per carry, but he'll have less carries and probably less yards uh, as a part of the Eagles offense. Yeah. And I, like I said, I agree with DeMarco Murray for that reason. And, uh, you know, some of the reasons that you pointed out is that number one, he's going to a completely different offensive line. Uh, matter of fact, this is an offensive line that got rid of Evan Mathis, which is probably the best guard in the entire league. Uh, arguably you could, you, you could make a strong argument for that. Um, so they got rid of him there. Uh, don't know who he's going to throw in. Chip Kelly is, you know, Chip Kelly, he's going to find somebody to plug in. Um, but he is not going to have the offensive line that he had in Dallas. Matter of fact, I don't think he can go anywhere in the NFL and find the offensive line that, that he had in Dallas. Uh, you know, that's uh, that's kind of the, the great wall of Dallas 2.0, uh, in my opinion, uh, the way they played last year. Um, but you, you look at also the scheme. You look at the schematic change that he's that he's entering, which is going to be different. Now, it's going to be somewhat similar to what he played with in college when he was with Sam Bradford. If Sam Bradford is healthy enough to be the quarterback, you know, it's going to be the same, playing within that spread system, you know, basically spreading everybody out, sometimes, you know, being an up-tempo, no-huddle type offense, a very quick reading reaction type scheme. But it doesn't necessarily fit to his to his playing style. I mean – there's a reason why he was drafted, you know, late in the second round. It wasn't because he was a bad player. It's because you necessarily, when you watched his tape, you didn't get to see enough of him, and you didn't get to see enough of the, the tools and the traits. You know, it, it's uh, like Todd Gurley, for me, is a prime example, in my opinion. And even Melvin Gordon. You know, while Melvin, Melvin Gordon could be a guy that, that plays, you know, out of the spread because it's a lot easier scheme to develop in, it's also hard when you are so used to reading and reacting from running from within the backfield, you know, being so used to running for the last, you know, four years in the backfield in terms of vision and everything like that, it's going to cause for some sort of change. And then you also look, they don't necessarily have the weapons that Dallas did. You know, they, they got rid of Jeremy Macklin. They got rid of, you know, uh, they got rid of LaShawn McCoy to bring in, DeMarco Murray, which could be an argument for days. Uh, they just, you know, they have Zach Ertz at tight end, and yeah, they have Brett Selleck. Uh, but you're telling me your your tight ends, you know, are going to you, – you can't tell me that your tight end is going to play like – you know, that you have a Zach Ertz, he's going to play like Jimmy Graham or like a, uh, you know, Rob Gronkowski. You know, I just don't see it. It's not going to happen. It never will happen, and we'll leave it at that. But I think the biggest key for him is, like I said – it's you know and uh, you know our, our listener has you know texted me again saying that well he believes that it's going to be recognizing holes and, and while that is true and not because I mean Montel we, we know this enough now by watching a lot of draft tape you know it is when you run the no huddle it is extremely hard to kind of recognize where holes are going to be because you could catch somebody off guard. You're, you're not getting a true defense, defensive setup and true defensive alignment the entire time. So, you know, I, I, I don't see DeMarco Murray uh, having a, a great deal 
of success. I don't see him having anywhere close to the to the numbers he had this year. And I don't see him even to honestly, I don't see him breaking fifteen hundred yards. Uh I, I think I think if he breaks eleven hundred yards in that offense, he'd be considered uh well, I mean it'd be a downgrade, but it'd be considered a, a good season for him. Yeah, no, it it totally will be and I think that'll be the interesting part about this is uh you never know how the season's going to shake out, especially in that division. But I think you have to rely on, you know, off season and 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 whether he really get puts it together and, and whether he doesn't, you know. So we'll we'll see. But I I agree. And then, uh, you know, going back to Peyton Manning, um, yeah, I don't really know what what to say with him. Uh, you said that you know there there could be some sort of drop off there. Uh, to be honest, I'm not 100% on that. Um, fact of the matter, you know, we we doubted this guy coming back from neck surgery. Uh, he led, you know, he he led the Broncos to the playoffs, and then the very next year led them to the Super Bowl. While they got pounded in the Super Bowl, uh, he did that nonetheless. So I, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be interesting to watch just Peyton Manning because, you know, this will go back to what we talked about with those trade rumors. If it is true that he does regress and take a step down, uh, maybe it is time for him to kind of consider hanging up the cleats, you know, and and maybe trying to find a different fashion, you know, to, to be in the NFL. Um, I, I think yeah, I think, it's, uh, I think it's imminent if uh, they don't win a Super Bowl this year, and maybe if they do, he'll go out on top. But uh, if Peyton Manning comes back here and throws well over 4,000 and can throw 30 touchdowns, uh, you can mark it. I'll tell you, he's the greatest to ever live, especially if he wins the Super Bowl. But I don't see it happening, and it's okay, you know. Uh, you look at some of the guys, you look at your Brett Favre's, you, you look at your Kurt Warner's. Uh, as that velocity begins to decline, it'll hit a level where it's no longer playable. And yep. you can see several instances last year where Peyton Manning was teetering on that line. Uh, I think he'll, like I said before, within the offense, he'll be fine. He'll be productive enough. But uh, as you get older, you know, Father Time's undefeated. Uh, now, he's been incredibly healthy, but this is just a fact of life. Uh, but the good news is he's not like a Brett Favre. Uh, he's not like some of these other guys who are fastball, you know, quarterbacks. He's intelligent enough to know how to throw on time to where he doesn't have to use a ton of velocity. And I'm saying that's what's going to carry him through this year, uh, however far they go. Yeah, you know, and like I said, I agree with you on that. You know, the arm strength, arm strength for him is virtually gone. Uh, I think that's some of the reason why we're seeing him not attack vertically uh, like we normally used to see him, especially, you know, even that first year that he was in Denver. Um, he's not attacking the field as vertically as he used to. A lot of it is now, you know, check down to screens, digs, comebacks, uh you know, we call it rocket screens or, or bubble screens. Everything is short, compact, and concise. Um, but another thing, too, that's kind of helped him is he's developed a little bit of a running game, which is kind of, you know, sucking that defense down. So it doesn't, while it doesn't look like he's stretching the field, he kind of stretching the field, but it's just not with, you know, near as much arm strength as it used to be. Um, one question uh, with this list is why did Richard Sherman not crack the top ten? Why Why was Richard Sherman number 11? How did he drop from the list from 2014? Well, look at the list and tell me, is he the, is he the top corner? If he, if he's the top corner, I don't think it matters. 
Yeah, well, it it does though, because the the way the list is developed, while he is the top corner on the list, last year he he didn't have to, he was in last year he was in the top ten. He was number seven last year. And where's he now? Eleven. So he dropped four spots. Okay, but, well, are we really are we really gonna do this? He moved down yeah. four spots. I mean, yeah, because that's still I mean, the best of this while it's not a big deal, it is a big deal because it's like, how can you, how can a player who didn't slide in production slide in a, in a ranking? I mean, well, if you look at the evidence there, based on the positions and where everyone fell, it looks like the position itself is being devalued. That's why he's sliding. I don't think it's anything personal. That's why I said, if you're the top corner, then they're just devaluing the position. It's not that they're devaluing him. Yeah, and I, like I said, and I, and I think that's the, you know, I think that's the argument. Uh, you know, I don't agree. Oh, and uh, real quick, Montuel, uh, breaking news. I was right. Aaron Rodgers is number two on the list. Ah, they did it. They did it. Oh, man. Okay, well, look at that. Congratulations. And I, I, and I told you, man, I, I told you people, real recognizes real, and everybody knows that J.J. Watt is real. You know, you you can't take anything away from Aaron Rodgers. The dude has a Super Bowl ring, but like I said in my argument, real recognizes real, and J.J. Watt is the real deal. So uh, he's undoubtedly going to be the number one guy unless somebody, you know, comes up out of nowhere. But, you know, as to where I'm saying, you know, going back to this Richard Sherman case, it's, you know, while the position is being devalued, uh, can you really say the position is being devalued when the league is turning in to more of a high-paced, quick-strike, passing attack type of league to where we're seeing some of the passing numbers that have been standing for 15, 20 years be shattered every single season. So well, if, if that is the case of the NFL developing into a passing league, it is hard-pressed for me to say that we can feel comfortable with them devaluing the cornerback position. Because undoubtedly, uh, while you might have a great defensive line and you might have a great linebacker, at the end of the day, who's going to break up the pass? You know, uh, it's not like these receivers are running, you know, running for free. You could have a pass rush, but if a receiver's wide open, that's another story. You know, so I don't think, I don't think we can easily say that they're devaluing the corner position but are they devaluing the player itself? Well, I think you kind of answered your own question there. See, when you look at the fact that passing records are being made year by year by year, that's because they're being made on defenses with secondary. Uh, essentially, uh, your corners are failing. I mean, in general, as a corner or as a secondary, uh, you know, a defensive back, you're going to uh, fail almost as many times as you succeed, sometimes on routes and sometimes quarterbacks notice, sometimes they don't. Uh, as we move towards uh, the, the next year here, it is more of a passing league. So you have corners, safety being exposed on more of a regular basis. Uh, Richard Sermon, in my opinion, next to Darrell Revis, he's definitely the best uh, corner in the NFL. And uh, even then, you could look at some tape against the Chargers, against Eddie Royal. I mean, even he, you know, he's gotten done pretty poorly on a regular basis. You know, some receivers have worked him over. Odell Beckham had a pretty good game against him. So uh, what I'm saying here is that uh, the position being devalued because defenses are getting torched regularly. And as a result, 
uh, A, they're playing more nickel formation, so you have more potential corner rank, you know, uh, big corners being ranked, and then you have uh, corners who are less successful uh, but still uh, considered elite in the league. So I'm not trying to shame Richard Sherman here. It's just that corners are, are, are they're on an island. They are being exploited more now than they were 30, 40 years ago. And it's no one's fault. It's just uh, modern football. Yeah. And I, like I said, I, looking back, you know, I, I agree with some of the points you made about how Odell Beckham had a pretty good game against him and how, you know, these smaller, compact, uh, you know, very much so lateral, you know, quicker receivers, um, uh, you know, kind of torched him. A listener, you know, a listener brought up a good point too. Could it be the fact that the Patriots kind of exploited him by proving, uh, particularly Tom Brady, by proving that they weren't afraid to test him, you know, like Denver was? I mean, you look, because I, I went back and looked. When Denver played them in the Super Bowl the previous year, Peyton Manning only attempted five passes in Richard Sherman's direction. This year, Richard Sherman had 11 attempts in his direction, six of them being caught. So while it's kind, yeah. of, so while it's mm-hmm. kind of an even swayed stat, could that be another reason why teams, or, or, or I should say not even teams, but while the, while the active players are devaluing it, is because of the fact that Tom Brady, while we can talk about these receivers like Beckham and Royal and even Jarius Wright uh, for the Vikings when they played them, uh, while they might have exploited some of his characteristics and technique, was it the fact that the Patriots exploited his demeanor and proved that it's just another corner and we're going to test them as much as we want? Yeah, I think it's one of those things where they basically gave him uh, some some throws underneath, and he just kept taking those. Uh, they they wanted to protect against the big play. They wanted to try to lock down Gronkowski, and they did that for much of the game, but not you know the entire game. And you know that's a struggle in itself. Uh, that's just what they do here. Uh, basically, they lined Richard Sermon up against a few different people on that Super Bowl game, and. Uh, the secondary was hurt, so there was uh, more uh, zone coverage than usual, and I think that's kind of a result of it. Yeah, yeah. So I think, yeah. So I think we can, uh, yeah. I think we can continually to agree to disagree. Uh, you know, on that position, uh, we do uh, both agree with some of the takes, and and I agree with some of the takes uh, for the most part. Um, but like I said, I, I think it was a fact that I felt like he, uh, I felt like he more so than the position itself is being devalued. Uh, but with the last couple minutes, uh, we're, we're still waiting for our guests to show up. Uh, with us running down on time crunch, uh, the show must go on. So if they uh, show up, we will um, throw them in. If not, uh, that's unfortunate. But, uh, you know, the, the last 10 minutes or so, uh, or even the last five or so, I'd like to go over uh, well, the USA. I mean, it, it seems like uh, USA Soccer is back on top uh, after a very dominating performance uh, in the World Cup final against Japan. Uh, the Vengeance game can now be said that it's complete uh, after virtually what was an ass-kicking, and that could have easily be ended at the first half uh, with that 4-1 to lead. Um, what, uh, you know, you look at Carly Lloyd, 
thank God Jill Ellis found a way to finally use her. You know, she had three goals in three games, and then, of course, having the Hattie in the World Cup final, uh, which is their first World Cup since 1999. Um, but it's also the first time that we've had an American and a player in general score a hat trick in the World Cup. Um, so what do you take on what do you take on the United States' performance in the World Cup? And uh, I mean, I guess we we could kind of it's obviously a little early to do so, but we could kind of take a quick little look four years uh, into the future to see whether or not this could be the team to play with uh, in France come the the next World Cup. Well, some of these uh, women are kind of up there in age. I look at Abby Wambach and uh, some of these other guys are women, I'm sorry, uh, on the team. I, I don't know if this roster is entirely there in four years. Uh, I'm sure they'll be crusade to bring back Hope Solo, and I, I, I'd I like to see her, of course, if she stays out of trouble and uh, is cleared uh, legally to play. But uh, the team itself, I think, has the ability to – uh, I think go as far as uh, the coach can take them. I think they have a very good coach. I think she instilled resiliency in this team. Uh, this is a team that defended better than uh, anyone they faced. And uh, even when faced, uh, you know, with the best offenses or the best defenses, they found a way to score. They found a way to dominate time of possession. All those things are crucial, uh, I think, when you're trying to win the World Cup. Yes. Uh, you know, I uh... – that's one thing that I didn't want to talk about, but now we got to bring it up is uh, what do you think uh, potentially now with the World Cup being over with and, and done with, and, and now it's basically for the majority of these women uh, back to reality for three and a half years, uh, what do you think could come up of the Hope Solo situation? Well, uh, it's weird because uh, everyone wanted to – claim that, you know, we have a culture that thinks male violence is okay, but in this instance, uh, female violence was deemed okay by this team and as well as this league. I uh, hope so. Uh, she abused um, a couple members of her family, uh, got into a, a bit of a physical altercation with them, uh, dealt with it, and it seems like she's, you know, just able kind of to shrug off the PR uh, fiasco that you know, what should have ensued, uh, but was a lot quieter. So uh, I just think it's real simple. I think she's got to stay out of trouble, keep her hands to herself. And uh, just like men do, men have to keep their hands to themselves. I mean, this is equality, right? So I think each gender needs to be held accountable. And I think this is the first step. I think next time, if there is a next time something like this comes up, I think she's got to pay the price. And I think she's got to be held out. I think uh, she should lose some endorsements. Uh, this is real life. You know, this happens to the, the best of athletes. I don't care what your gender is. Uh, it's hard to stand behind someone doing that. Uh, unfortunately, there isn't a crusade of, of people against women violence, uh, as equality should dictate. But uh, this, you know, shouldn't be tolerated. Yes, and, and that was the next thing I wanted to bring up is according to the uh, multiple uh, accounts and some of the, the police reports that have been released to the public, uh, it also sounded like not only did she have the physical altercation with uh, some members of her family, but she also had uh, physical altercations with the police when they were trying to uh, subdue her and basically try and uh, de-escalate the situation. Um, so if that truly is the case, uh, what what message what message in the world are we sending to that? 
which can basically go back to what we were talking about uh, at the very beginning of the show with, uh, you know, with, with DeAndre, uh, with DeAndre Johnson. It's, you know, uh, well, it's uh, no respect for authority. I did read about that. She was talking down to the police officers as they were uh, uh, taking her away. Um, it's just an inherent amount of disrespect. Uh, I think athletes in general have a sense of entitlement as a female athlete. She did the best she could to kind of emasculate those cops and, uh, once again, in a typical situation, uh, cops, uh, you know, I, I've got, you know, uh, friends that are cops, friends that, you know, have family that are cops. In those type of situations, cops usually do not uh, hesitate to subdue you in whatever way possible. So uh, I'm shocked that she didn't have a couple bruises from some of the things she said. Yeah, you know, that's that was the biggest thing. Uh, so, you know, unfortunately, uh, that kind of kind of de delightens the the celebration and everything like that for a little bit is now it's like I said it's the fact that it's back to the real, real world for the majority of these women as they continue to prepare for the next World Cup but again uh, obviously other than the fact that you know them winning the World Cup is going to be in the news it's also going to be in the fact uh, you know that will be in the news is whether or not uh, anything does come up from this whole uh, Hope Solo uh, report as new reports seem to be coming out daily and daily about this. Um, we're going to continue to have to keep an eye on it because, again, you know that the moment something breaks, it's going to be big news and people are going to be comparing it to all the other things that have happened across the sports landscape in, in basically 2014, which is basically uh, as bad as this sounds. And, you know, it was basically the year of domestic violence uh, in, in, in sports for 2014 in the United States, which is not very good at all. That's not a bright spot uh, to basically label an entire sports calendar of. Is is you know well what what domestic violence issue are we going to talk about this week? Uh, which basically what it was for 2014. So we're going to have to continue to keep an eye on that. Uh, but we're running. Uh, we're starting to run a little bit out of time. Uh, again, I just want to uh, thank everybody for tuning in and um, working th with us through the technical difficulties. Uh, we will be working tirelessly to make sure that we do not have these problems arrive in the future to be able to continue to provide you with the best content and the best radio show that you guys can possibly tune into on the web. Uh, Montel, thanks for uh, tuning in this evening, brother. Thanks for coming on. Uh, it's always a blast to have you on, and I can't wait to, uh, to get after it again next week. For sure. Seven days, Josh. Hey, yes, sir. Seven days. Uh, like you said, same time, same place next Wednesday on Xenolive.com. Again, thank you very much for tuning in uh, to the weekly flagship show. I'm your host, Joshua Zimmer, for NGSC Sports and NGSC Sports Radio, where we never stop. Hope you guys have a good night and a great rest of your week. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.